As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? I'm John Middlecoff. This is the Three and Out Podcast. Good to be alive, good to be heard, and good to have football officially back. We will talk about everything that's happened. I'm recording this a little bit before the Ole Miss game. They play Louisville. Not that I really care that much about that game, especially Lane Kiffin, former Fresno State Bulldog, will, uh, as a player, not as a uh, not as a coach, Will not be coaching because, you know, he tested positive. So that game lost a little luster to me. Fantastic weekend. An elite college football weekend. Had some thoughts, some takeaways we will hit on. A lot of other stuff. You know, week one of the NFL season. We have a game this Thursday. I will have a podcast right after uh, on Friday morning, like I always do, reacting to that game. And then just everything else going into the uh, the, the weekend slate. Uh, have a gambling theory that I'm going to institute into uh, into my repertoire. And uh, I, th- I think you should too. Something that kind of hit me that the Bills did, that for whatever reason the Ravens and Browns chose not to do, it's something worth uh, monitoring, I think, as we go along. Something I read this weekend on Raheem Morris, the new defensive coordinator of the Rams, that just you know kind of put off, uh, I-, I wouldn't say a red flag, but just something worth monitoring. And then just a couple other... NFL things that I'm really excited for this week. Of course, Middlecoff Mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram handle. Slide up in those direct messages, and uh, and you get your you know question right here on the show. It is very, very easy to do. Also, if you listen on Colin's feed, subscribe to the 3 and Out feed. Have new sweet artwork, the volume, no big deal. Happy to be here. Happy to be associated with it. We're going to try to just keep pumping out podcasts. If you saw, we had a podcast come out Monday. We're going three days a week. We'll have Monday, which once the season hits, will kind of just be, you know, probably 25, 30 minutes just a reaction to the three or four big stories. And then I'll do my big podcast on on Tuesday and and Friday. But we will have Monday content uh, this fall. So uh, I can't, can't wait. And subscribe, leave a review. I know many of you have, and I greatly appreciate that. To me, the number one takeaway of the weekend slate of games, I don't even think it's close, is just the dominance of Nick Saban. Like, it it's gets to the point where it's like, ah, oh, this has got to just slow down. Ah, oh, this is this can't continue at this rate. And it just does. He's won six titles in 12 years. It looks like he is going to be very, very tough to beat. And if he gets a seventh in 13, it is not out of the realm of possibility. To me, the most impressive thing the guy did, though, And I would say offensive-minded people in the sport of football are typically viewed as, the good ones, open-minded, progressive individuals, 
constantly adapting, willing to change, willing to institute new things into their playbook. I would say historically, defensive coaches are viewed as the opposite. Stubborn, tough-minded, like they, they just kind of go with what they've always done. Obviously, you add things, but they would be considered the group of people that are less likely to change. Do what they do. And Nick Saban, a defensive coordinator at his heart, at his heart really he's a DB coach. If you've ever, I, I've been lucky enough to know people that have been around him at the program at Alabama. If you've just watched any special on him, he is there at individual drills with the corners and safeties. That is his baby. Yet, several years ago, and he was quoted saying, forever you could run the ball and play defense, which is exactly what he did when he got to Alabama. He ran the ball down your throat, and he played elite defense. Then the sport changed. In college football, in high school, and definitely in the pros, the rules changed. You had to score points because the rules were conducive for you to throw the ball down the field. It became college football. The NFL always had been a little bit, but college football definitely morphed into what the NFL was, which was quarterback-centric. You had to have top quarterback play to win it big. In the last three years, or basically four years, his three quarterbacks are now all starting week one. They're all under 24 years old. And then you watch in the Alabama game this week against Miami, which was basically over at halftime. I mean, hell, it was over five minutes into the game, but I, I stopped paying attention after halftime. Is the quarterback they have now, I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm possibility to say he's the most talented of the group. Mac, Jalen, Tua, I might take Bryce. Now, it's only one game, but he was freaking unreal. He was the most dynamic of the group. It's, it's insane. He pivoted. And the best people in any business are always willing to pivot. Not just blindly, not just throw shit at the wall and hope it sticks. He knew what he was doing. He knew that he had to get top flight quarterbacks. And obviously, they really pivoted with the wide receivers. Now, remember, the first big recruit he ever got was Julio Jones back in the day. I remember when I got hired at Fresno State, Jim McElwain had just taken over the offensive coordinator job. I think they won it the next year, maybe two years later. And the first guy, he got on the job. The second day, he was in a limo going to meet Julio, who I'm pretty sure he definitely was the number one recruit, but he was an Alabama kid. And obviously, they never looked back. But they would have a Julio. They would have an Amari. Then they'd even have a Calvin Ridley. And then right at the end of like Calvin Ridley, it was like, ah, they got three or four guys. And then they lose all these four cats the last two years. And you're watching, and they just got like four versions of Jerry Judy. <laughs> you know, it's like they're just restocked. Uh, you know, uh... Uh, Najee Harris graduates uh, next running back up. Now they've always had running backs, but to me, the passing game is on a completely different level and his ability to get in the modern day times on that level, but yet on Alabama's level. Cause the one thing Clemson has done the last, you know, in their kind of dominant, you know, stretch here, five or six years was Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence. Now I know DJ struggled, but every team in the country would have taken him, right? What has Ohio state done? They have tried to like put, you know, take the quarterback play to another level. And you see, you see LSU is a good example who I got to give chip credit. I bet on LSU. They got their ass kicked. Ed Ogeron is, he's exposed. Like he is a coordinator dependent coach. He brings nothing to the table. Can't call the defense, has no clue what's going on on offense. Yes, he's a great recruiter, but clearly like they've always recruited well. LSU, like, if you are a great recruiter, that is cool, right? That That is important in college football. Saban does not win just because he's a great recruiter. He is the, one of the greatest defensive minds in the history of the sport. And he clearly knows their offense, though he lets his coordinator run the offense. And he just hires elite guys. Lane, Sark, now Billy O. Like, let's face it, Ed got a little lucky with Joe Brady, who was a quality control guy in the NFL. Now, you get credit for making that hire, but you look at the last two years, like, what are you doing? You think Brad Johnson's kid would sniff starting for Alabama? And I give Chip credit. Like he, And this is another thing that really stood out to me this weekend. I'm watching Fresno State go toe-to-toe with Oregon. This transfer portal, of course, all the old heads and all the you know people that you know never want anything to change, like, don't let these guys transfer. I actually think it's the healthiest thing going on in college football. It, it spreads the equity, right? Because if I'm a running back and I go to Ohio State or I go to Georgia and I'm maybe the second stringer, but I could be starting at all these other schools, I'm out. And I immediately go to UCLA starting running backs from Michigan. 
And UCLA, more than a lot of other programs, are going to really benefit from Chip is not going to get in these knockdown, drag out recruiting wars. That's just not his style, and he hates recruiting. But but he will benefit from all these kids that he does not land out of high school a year in, maybe even two years in, they go, I want to come back home. Well, boom, I'm ready. And instead of just signing 20 high school kids every year, I'll sign 14 high school kids, and I'll take six transfers. And those guys are ready to play. They're like an NFL free agent where they have college film. Even if they just played, you know, 35, 50s, 80, however many snaps during the season as a rotational guy, I can see them on that level. Where in high school, it's a complete projection, like an NFL draft pick. So when I'm watching Chip's team and I go, and I heard Colin say this on his podcast with Joel Klatt, which was fantastic. Joel's excellent. He was bringing up the point that they got like five transfers. These were guys that were in Division I football that came. Because when you look at Chip's recruiting rankings, they are not what UCLA historically has been when they've been good. They recruited really well. Chip doesn't care that much. He's not going to recruit like Clemson, like Bama, like Georgia, like Ohio State. It's not his thing. But if he can get his type guys, which I will give Chip credit on this one. for He's a little guy. Chip does not like little players. Chip likes massive players. His defensive line when he was in Oregon were DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead. And before that, Deion Lewis. And offensive line, he, his first draft pick when he got to the Eagles was Lane Johnson. So Chip is not into these little tiny players. Even though you'd think like with his offense that, no, that is not the thing. Defensive-wise, one thing I remember when Chip got hired with the Eagles, he only wanted defensive linemen that were like 6'7". And the scouting department was like, Chip, those guys don't really exist besides like the two guys on your team. And clearly you got to be, you can't just draft them both, right? So it becomes kind of complicated. But one thing that he's also going to benefit from is the Pac-12 is pretty average. The USC is way down. Stanford sucks now. Cal lost to Nevada. Oregon, Washington, the headline in The Athletic said Washington suffers the worst loss in program history. So the I'm watching the Big Ten. They look good. I know, you know, Penn State, Wisconsin wasn't a high-scoring game. Those teams are solid. We saw Minnesota play Ohio State last week. I think the Big Ten's pretty good. You know, if the SEC's won, they're two. And if you factor in Notre Dame as part of the ACC, you'd say, you know, they're probably a solid three. And the Big 12s, I, I mean, who knows? They might be right there, maybe 3A and 3B. It's up in the air. I mean, we'll see how this all plays out. But the transfer thing is going to be huge. It's going to help out. It's always helped out. But now that they can transfer and immediately play, the Fresnos, the Boises, those type programs, I don't know why you would ever play good non-Power 5 programs. Boise State, UCF, Fresno State, Nevada. I wouldn't touch those programs with a 10-foot pole. At all. You get zero credit for beating them. Zero. Oregon squeaks, squeaks by Fresno State. Everyone just talks shit about Oregon. Like they're not good enough. Yeah, even though they won the game. And if they lost it, it's a disaster. Right? Like Cal loses in Nevada, and I'm sure it happened all over the country. That these really good teams, like playing a Cincinnati, playing those type programs, the, 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 the benefit just to me is not there. I want to do something uh, that just really stood out on Sunday night, and it's Mackenzie Milton. He is the former quarterback for UCF who had the devastating injury, who then transferred to Florida State. And, and last week, uh, we gave a happy talk on Phillip Rivers, and there was a pure, genuine thing that just made you stand back, watch this guy who'd made, however, I think it was $243 million dollars, coaching high school football, and you just went, you know, that makes me happy. That makes me smile. That is cool. We need more of that in our world. And then I saw Mackenzie Milton, and I was like, that just that's inspiring. That made me smile. This guy's doctor told him, this is not possible. I've never seen this before. You're not going to be able to come back. It is so impressive, the will of human beings. When you put your mind to something in life, right? Like there are certain things that you'll never be able to accomplish. If you're not a good athlete and you love basketball, you're just not going to be able to play in the NBA. But if you put your mind to it, maybe you could become a GM in the NBA. 
maybe you could become an NBA head coach, right? I mean, when when you are dead set on something, it is really hard. And if you're just unwilling to relent on anything but what you want to accomplish, you may not end up accomplishing that, but you will find a way somewhat close in that kind of sphere of what you're thinking about. I promise you. And people are like, oh, middle guy, that's not true. Bullshit. If you really do. Now, you can't. It might not take six months. It might not take two years. But if you're willing to go above and beyond and no one, regardless what people say, it's incredible what a human being can accomplish. And obviously, Mackenzie Milton, Division I, high-level athlete when he was at UCF. But to make that comeback and then to play in a game against Notre Dame, who's clearly pretty good, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And maybe I'm overreacting a little bit just because it happened last night as I'm recording this on Monday. But if that doesn't make you smile, if that doesn't make you go, damn, that's badass. I want my kid to have that type of drive. I want my kid to look up to a guy like that. I don't know what your Maybe we just don't see the world the same way. Because that was... I think the coolest thing that uh, that I saw this weekend by far. Okay, let me tell you about my friends at FanDuel. Football season's here. And if you've never bet on the NFL, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot. Because right now, you can place your first bet risk-free. That's right. You'll get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from. There are same-game parlay bets player props, futures, and so much more. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. Colorado, New Jersey, Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton, you know, watch Creighton. They fight, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, just I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people, checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, 
LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. <laughs> Okay, this team, and I don't blame anybody because they've earned it. Uh, They have consistently won since this coach has been there in Sean McVay. They upgraded dramatically at the quarterback position. I think Matt Stafford is in a completely different universe than uh, than Jared Goff. And I'm not, you know, I I wouldn't say I'm a Jared Goff hater. I actually root for the guy from uh, down the street from where I'm recording this right now. Went to Cal. I'm, I'm a sneaky Cal guy. Uh, not that I went to school there. They would never let a, uh, an academic loser like myself in, but my grandpa taught back, uh, for the university way back in the day. And I uh, used to go to games with my dad. So I, I, I root for Cal players just naturally though. You know, he's a little slow and weak arm for my taste, but I, I want to see Jared Goff do well. Sean McVay seemed to really turn on the guy the last couple of years, but their offense is going to be really good. I, th- I think we all acknowledge that if, Matt Stafford, I mean, it might take uh, several weeks to really click, but it's pretty clear that when you get a good quarterback in this offense, it works, right? Matt Ryan won the MVP. Obviously, uh, Aaron Rodgers won the MVP last year. Jimmy Garoppolo led a team to the Super Bowl, and he's nowhere in the same world as those two guys, Uh, just from a talent perspective, let alone, you know, career resume. Stafford just played a lot longer. He's just, he's just more physically gifted. But one thing the Rams really hung their hat on last year was defense. And they won 10 games, but they won a playoff game on the road. Now, a little skewed. No fans allowed in Seattle when they played it. But I I thought they kind of shoved Seattle around a little bit. And I was reading this article in The Athletic about Raheem Morris, who's taking over for Brandon Staley. And I, I give Sean McVay a lot of credit on the Brandon Staley hire. Because when he fired Wade Phillips, he had a specific individual in mind he hired them, and that guy turned them into the number one defense in the league. And one thing in this article I was reading that just made me go, whoa, didn't see that one coming. Uh, now, and I'm not focused on the day-to-day of just like the Rams. So if you're a Rams fan, you, you've, you I'm sure, heard this. But for me, it was like the first time that I'd be like, I didn't quite realize that they're going to run the same defense. And Morris and McVay agreed when he took the Rams job that he wasn't going to change what they were doing, because it was already working, even though that meant him learning a new system. And I went, wait, usually when you hire a new coordinator, you let them implement their system, right? Now, obviously, you have core philosophies as a head coach, but you hire that guy to run what he does. And when I read that they agreed to keep the same system, which I understand from McVay's standpoint, because it worked, I went, once you get to a certain point in life, When you hire, like if I'm hiring someone at 23 years old, I can mold them to do whatever I want. Belichick has made a career out of it, right? Hire young guys. They call them 20 and 20s. $20,000, 20-hour days. So you work for $20,000 a year, and you work 20 hours a day, basically, for all season long. It's hard. It's really hard. But Josh McDaniels, the Patricias, the Flores, that's where all those guys start. And they start on the ground floor, and he molds them. He teaches them. Now, while McVay and Raheem Morris had worked together before, Raheem Morris was taught the game of football by Monty Kiffin. And his philosophies on coaching defense, once you get you know 40-plus years old and you've been coaching in the league for almost two decades, you bring something to the table. That's what you do. So if I'm going to hire you, I want you to do what you do. That's what makes you hireable. And I think this works in any industry. If I hire someone for a lot of money, all these defensive coordinators, every defensive coordinator in the league makes seven figures. 
So if any big boy business, if I'm going to pay someone seven figures, I can't then try to force them to learn and do what we've been doing, even though it was successful. I'm partly hiring him for his ideas. So now I'm getting him to run Brandon Staley's defense. Well, of course, Brandon Staley could run the defense. He ran it to John Carroll. Then he ran it with Vic Fangio, who's arguably the best defensive coordinator in the league. And he worked with him for like five years, learning all the ins and outs with him. And I've known several people that have worked with Vic and they're like, God, he's the most brilliant guy I've ever been around. So if you get to mentor from one of the top, it it becomes your defense. Like Brandon Staley runs the Vic Fangio, like they, they speak the same language. And now you want Raheem Morris, who's never been around that, to do that? I, I, and I understand where Sean McVay is coming from because what he had worked, but that's not how it works. <laughs> you know, it, it, this can be very, very challenging because there comes with an ebb and a flow as a play caller. I naturally just call like what I'm comfortable with. I know once I get to a certain age, if I've been calling a defense or around a defense, and obviously defenses change, but you know the rules like the back of your hand because it's yours. But when I have to teach, it's one thing to teach a position coach. That's part of the deal. That happens all the time around the league. I hire a position coach. He might not necessarily know the ins and outs of the offense or the defense, but we teach it to him. And then he teaches the coaching points as a coordinator that I want him to teach. And and we figure it out. And he can add some of his wrinkles. But as a coordinator, that's my thing. I'm in charge of it. Like, I'm the boss, right? It's Especially when your head coach is the also the offensive coordinator. It's all on you. Now, I'm all for being open to ideas and willing to listen and think about everything when it comes to football schematics, right? You should never be like, we do not do that because that's not what we do. That's the dumbest line of thinking ever. But if you go, that's not what we do. That's We don't do that because we haven't practiced that. So I wasn't going to call that and just expect my guys to do it in a tough situation. I go, that makes sense. But if you're not willing then to practice that over next week or the following month, then that's a you problem. I do think, though, the pressure on this team, not necessarily locally, because I don't know if anyone in L.A. cares that much about the Rams, but nationally, they're viewed as a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And they've earned that right. But a huge reason was because I think we view them as a complete team. Their offense is going to be way better with Matt Stafford, and they're going to have a top you know, 5-8 defense. Maybe they're not going to be the number one defense in the league, But the defensive coordinator has never called this defense, has to call this defense just because Sean McVay didn't want to necessarily change, which I kind of understand. Shouldn't he have just gone and hired someone off Fangio staff again that knows or whoever, whatever type guy that he thought could make the same calls and was comfortable with doing that? That that, that makes me a little nervous. And it's just something to watch. If Raheem Morris can pull this off, Maybe he's just the most impressive coach in the league that no one talks about. Because last year in Atlanta, they like pulled names out of a hat. They all started coaching different positions. I'm not questioning this guy as a coach. I, I, I'm not. Like I, I think he's a pretty impressive guy. But I, I, I do just think it's a very, very challenging thing to do. If I took Sean McVay right now, or Kyle Shanahan, for example, who know their offense and that you know kind of Shanahan or, or LaFleur, and what they do, they know like the back of their hand. It's their baby. Because they've all, Kyle's been around it since birth. McVeigh and LaFleur now have been around it for over a decade. And they've been calling it now for a while. If I went and said, hey, can you run Sean Payton's offense? And let's just say the Saints hired him. Sean's like, I want you to call the plays. But you're going to call my plays. Like, well, what? Don't you want him to call his plays? It, it'd just be a challenge. Now, maybe two or three years down the line, you become comfortable with it. But day one, now I'm not saying this is going to impact them necessarily against Andy Dalton. He stinks. They should beat the Bears. But just for a team that has very, very high expectations in a very, very difficult division with just a lot on the line, I I think this could be a little more challenging than even Sean quite realizes. One thing I've been thinking a lot about is uh, the Josh Allen implications on the Browns and the Ravens. Because I think it's human nature. I know this happened to me several times in my life. I'm sure anyone listening to this has had the same thoughts. You always think, when you're an employee, think you are worth more, typically, than you are or some of your counterparts. How often do you tell your friends that work in other businesses, like, I should be making more than this guy. I think I'm better at my job than this guy 
aka I deserve more money. And that may be true or that may not be true, but typically it's on your employer to make the decision. Do they feel you're worth more? Because you go, hey, if I'm making 75 grand and I think I'm worth 125 grand, you go, hey, it's 125 grand or I'm out of here. They're either going to have to say, okay, or see you later. Godspeed. Have a good run. Take it easy. Uh, It happens to every single human that ever wants a raise. You either get the raise or they say no. And if you have options, you bounce. If you don't, you just stay better, right? But eventually, it's on your employer or your boss. They make the decision. Like you don't necessarily make the decision, even though indirectly you kind of do through your work, through your resume, through what you bring to the table. So when Josh Allen gets his contract, $150 million guaranteed. I think all of us, and listen, I'm a Josh Allen fan. We're like, geez, that is a lot of money. That is a lot of coin. Because it was. It's one of the biggest guarantees. I think it was more guaranteed cash than even Mahomes. Obviously, Mahomes' contract is way bigger and he's not going anywhere. But it was a massive deal. But it also had implications. Because there are two guys in his draft class who are both kind of on the same path, right? Lamar Jackson, who was more accomplished, at least in the regular season, had won an MVP. Now, it up until last year, he hadn't won a playoff game. Josh won two playoff games last year. Baker, who hadn't really done anything until last year when he also won a playoff game and played really well. Well, if, if I'm those guys, I go, well, if he got paid, at minimum, I want the same money. If I'm Lamar Jackson, be like, well... He has one more playoff win than me, but I won an MVP. I've made you guys a bunch of money. And Baker goes, well, you guys have never had a quarterback basically my entire life. You guys have been a laughingstock at the position, and you guys have never won. Now, it's not just on me, unlike those other two guys that have a major impact, but like I think I'm pretty deserving. Could you guys win without me? And like the elephant in the room now is the market's kind of set. Josh Allen got $150 million guaranteed. Like, are those guys going to be willing, when I say those guys, I mean those teams, going to be willing to give that contract to Lamar Jackson? Let's start with him. To me, this year is going to be fascinating. He does not have the vaccine. And what if he misses three or four games throughout the season? He missed a couple last year, right? I'm not I'm not talking injuries at all. I, I do not, if he got injured, rolled an ankle or whatever, running around, whatever. That's He's been a very, very durable player. Beside the one cr- cr- cramping issue, last year against the Browns. But when you look at like, what if he misses two or three games and it costs them the playoffs and they haven't signed him to an extension? You think they're just going to be willing to then give him the $150 million this offseason? Or do you think they ride it out again? What if you're the Browns who are run by Paul D. Podesta, who is an analytic-based individual who comes from baseball where they are obsessed with value? That's all they think about is how can we get the same player for half the price? It is the name of the game in baseball right now. How can we platoon two guys instead of giving someone $30 million a year? Can we find two $7 million players to do the same job so and save ourselves $16 million? Now, obviously, it's a little more complicated at quarterback, but do they view Baker Mayfield as those guys equal? Hell, we saw Deep Podesta several years ago, and maybe he's proven to be right. They didn't view Carson Wentz as top 20 quarterback. So who knows about their metrics and their analytic models, what they even think about Baker. Now, even someone who, I wouldn't say I was a Baker hater, but I didn't think he was going to be as good as he was last year. And he had an impressive season. But I would, under no circumstances, pay him $150 million. Now, you can always come back, well, John, who are you going to play him at quarterback? And I would agree. But do they agree? Where the Ravens are a little bit more, all their chips are in the middle of the table, table with Lamar. My question, do they view Lamar as like a 12-year player? Because the Bills, not only they draft the guy number seven overall, they were one of the only people in the league who not only believed in the player, but just thought big picture. Like, it's going to take some time. We're going to figure this guy out. He's a little bit of a project. We think he can be a star. And in their mind, he is, and they compensated him that way. Lamar has also been a star. I think the question is, is it sustainable? Is it worth giving him a five- or six-year contract? Can you get 10 years out of that style of play? And that's why this year, I don't think they've signed him yet because they wanted to see him do it. Well, what if he can't stay on the field the whole time because he is tested negative, which he already has this year? And then Baker, I I just don't know how they view it. 
I do know that they are obsessed with numbers. I mean, just look at the two guys they have running the organization. The general manager, who is a very, very progressive numbers guy, though he did, I think, play in the Ivy League. And Dee Podesta, who I also think did also play football in the Ivy League. I mean, these guys are really, really smart. They built an excellent team. But do they view Baker Mayfield as worth as much money as Josh Allen? Because I, I, I think those two teams have proven right now they don't, or those deals would be signed. You're telling me Baker Mayfield's turned down $150 million guaranteed? Lamar Jackson's turned down $150 million guaranteed? Zero chance. I, I, think it's, I think it's fair to assume that those contracts are not on the table for those two players. Okay, we talk gambling on this show every Thursday. I guess I record on Thursday. You listen to it on Friday or Saturday. Last year, we did a three for the money. I just picked three games that I liked, picked them, and uh, college or pro. And we're going to do something, an, another segment like that this year. We actually might have a, a guy from the Action Network come on and give some of his perspective on, on those games. Maybe we'll have him pick the games. Not, we're still kind of working those out. But I love to gamble. And I, I've said over and over, a lot of people in the media space are going to try to fake it to you. Let's face it, if you follow some of the people in, in sports media, on social media, they're scared of their own shadow. And now you think you're going to gamble on games? Give me a break. You, I, I think one thing that's going to separate people in this space, and I don't even claim to like be in the gambling space. I just talk about gambling because I talk about football and watch football because I gamble. Not because I like want to be you know, the, the next, I don't even know who the guy would be, Stu Finer or whatever. That's not my shtick. I'm not claiming that I have a shtick, but like I talk about gambling when I talk about gambling because I might gamble on the game because I might put some money on the game. Like It's, it's real. And I think a lot of people are going to try to dip their toes in the water because there's money to be made there and fake it. And I think those people will get exposed with time. But I was thinking about a philosophy this season. I was reading Peter King. And listen, I I, I wouldn't, if I didn't have to mention COVID, COVID protocols, vaccines ever again, I would sign up for that right now. I don't think, my, my philosophy on this, I think you and I know myself, Everywhere we've turned for 18 months, we are just inundated with that talk. I think we can all agree it gets exhausting. It, it, it's, it's September 2021. Whatever your opinion is on that at this point ain't changing. right? So I, a lot, too many people also in this space love getting on their moral high horse and talking like talking down to people or forcing their views on people. It's like, guys, it, the people think what they think at this point. Like, this is not March 2020. We're almost in 2022. So I I try to avoid it at all times. Sometimes it's impossible, right? If Lamar Jackson misses two weeks because he tested positive, like, it's just going to be hard to avoid that topic. But I'm not going to get up here and rant and rave against Carson Wentz because, honestly, I don't give a shit. He can do whatever he wants to do. Now, if he misses a game, right, then we'll have to talk about it. But one thing that's inevitable, I think some of these guys are going to miss some games. And we have several star quarterbacks that don't have the shot. And reading Peter King, like there are some hard, fast rules in the NFL. If you're unvaccinated and test positive, you know, or contact tracing, like automatic if you test positive, 10 days, bye-bye. Contact tracing, automatic, five days, bye-bye. That's, that's automatic. There is no negotiation with that. Like it's set. It was negotiated with the union. I had someone DM me the other day, like, why are they testing vaccinated players? I'm like, you think the league, this, this, this all they care about is money. They're not running a charity. But they, this is where I crushed Urban Meyer last week. They are in business with the union. These testing uh, protocols exist because you deal with the union. That's why. You know, if the league didn't have to text a vaccinated player for a month, they'd probably sign up for that but that you have to do deals with the union, just like in a million different industries do. So it's not, you can't just, you know, universally decide on rules without getting them to sign off on it because they represent the workforce, at least the workforce that matters. Obviously there's, you know, salespeople and other people, but I'm talking about the players. And if you are going to gamble on games and you can obviously, you know, lines come out for the next week, you know, right after the game, sometimes on Sunday. I mean, they can come out. You can get them even before then. But I'd say some people make bets throughout the week leading into the weekend. If you see a line that you like, I don't know if you're going to be able to do that this year. Let's just say you see a game and you go, 
damn, that team's getting eight points. I'm going to hammer them. And then all of a sudden, let's say it's like the Vikings playing Tampa Bay or something. And the Vikings, it looks shitty. You're like, God, that's pretty good value. And then all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins on Thursday is not going to be able to play on Sunday. I do not think you're going to be able to, and this works for vaccinated players too. My philosophy this year for sports gambling, but specifically football gambling, I would wait up until the day of the game. I would wait if you're going to gamble on Thursday, Sunday, or Monday. Wait till game day to place your bet. Because that's the only way to be safe. Because at any moment, and it's mainly quarterback, and Colin's been hammering this home for a long time, that quarterbacks are typically the only thing that moves the line, right? It happened forever with the Patriots. Like Gronkowski would get injured, and all of a sudden you'd be like, oh, that's going to cost them like five points. The line wouldn't budge. (laughs) But if you took Tom Brady out, I mean, it'd be a 10-point swing. Happened with Dak last year. It happens with quarterbacks. Quarterbacks move the line. They, because they do, because we've seen it year after year after year. The difference between starting quarterbacks, especially like top 15 quarterbacks and their backup is like the size of the Grand Canyon. So if you are going to put whatever amount of money you put on the games, because here's the thing, I know this, I see the numbers, you guys bet, I would wait till game day. It's just not worth it to get yourself into a position where, you bet on a team, and all of a sudden the quarterback's out. You're like, uh, think about the Broncos last year. Now, that's worst-case scenario. They played a game without a quarterback. They played a game without a quarterback. They took a practice squad wide receiver and put him at quarterback. And it was a joke. I mean, of course it was. It looked exactly like what you think it would look like. That is going to happen again. Even though it's 2021, and we would like to move on from this, that's clearly not the case. It's still part of our world, right? So my recommendation is just wait till game day before you put money on the game. That is going to be my philosophy in 2021. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people, checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours 
LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I got three quarterbacks this week, I you know, come Sunday, that I am fascinated to have an opinion on. Three guys that are, you know, are they going to change our opinions that we already have on them? Because I think three players, I think they're three of the more polarizing guys in the league right now. Starting first and foremost is with Carson Wentz. From a football perspective, he was terrible last year. He was awful. He, he was easily, to me, a bottom two or three quarterback in the league. But the majority of weeks, he might have been the worst starting quarterback on a given week of the starters. I'm not counting when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt and C.J. Beathard and those type guys started. I'm talking true starters. Week one, I thought he was the worst starter as the season went on. Now, we've never disputed his physical gifts. But playing quarterback, especially once you get 28, 29, 30 years old, is about more than just throwing the ball hard and throwing the ball far. He had no touch. He had terrible decision-making. He was turning the ball over like Jameis, who we'll get into here in a second. Can Frank turn his career around? Is it just as simple as, you know, Frank really likes him. Frank really believes in him. Carson's comfortable. Maybe Philadelphia was a little much for him. Maybe whatever reason, the locker room, just bad fit. I don't know. I, I don't have the answers. And obviously, I know a lot of people in Philly. No one really had the answers. It's one of the more bizarre things we'd ever seen. A guy that several years removed from looking like an MVP with all this talent, then just sucking. And that's what he did. He sucked. So is this guy going to be good now? It's not like he's had a smooth training camp, right? He broke his foot, we think, or whatever that weird injury was. Somehow he was going to miss a bunch of games, but somehow he came back early. Then he got corona, we think. Might have just tested positive or negative. Who even knows anymore? But it sure looks like he's going to play week one. Is he going to look any good? Because <clears throat> last time I checked, they got a pretty tough game. Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, all those guys. Like It's a, it's a big boy game. So actually one of the better games on paper this week. It's probably a top two or three game on paper by far. I would, I'd probably have Browns Chiefs one. That might be two. So I, I, I'm i fired up. The game I might have three is Miami-New England. That game's fantastic. And Mac, like, he might struggle. He might be awesome. He's a rookie. So, like, I, I, I can live. He's going to ebb and flow. It's just a natural reaction and, and just it, everything's not going to be smooth. Whether he struggles week one, whether he's awesome week one, it's just part of playing the position, unless you're Justin Herbert. But even that, you know, he wasn't playing in front of fans. It's going to be difficult on given weeks. He's going to look awesome on given weeks. He's got a great coach, and he's got a good team. To me, the most polarizing guy in that game is Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, as we talked about last week, the head coach had to tell the team, like, we're not trading for Deshaun Watson with Tua standing right there. They just drafted the guy number five overall. He was viewed as one of the best college quarterbacks of, like, the last decade. And now he just sucks. And I would lean like, yeah, maybe he's just not any good. I, I don't know. This happened before. It's going to happen again. He's smaller. Doesn't have a great arm. Uh, I mean, he has a defensive head coach. So may, maybe it is just a struggle. But to me, if Mac Jones outplays Tua, that's not ideal. It, it's just not. Because that narrative will only grow. And it's not, to me, some fake narrative. Now, it's just based on what he played. Now, if your argument is, well, he was coming back off a major injury, that's fair. But what we saw last year as a player was not good. And it's not you, you don't even need to hear anyone's opinion on it. Just watch what they did. They kept pulling him out of games because he wasn't very good. Whether it be the Raider game or the Bronco game, he got yanked for Fitzpatrick, who was clearly a much better player than him. And then to me, the last guy, just someone I just am fascinated to keep an eye on, is famous Jameis. Is Jameis Winston, who was drafted number one overall, and then Arians got there. We're like, okay, we might see what he's got. Throws all those interceptions. They upgrade with Tom Brady, which was a no-brainer. He goes to resurrect his career as a backup, just learning behind Drew Brees. Drew retires. He earns the job the following year because the hybrid guy just isn't good enough, which is the right move. Make, you know, Taysom just play offense as a, you know, whatever his quote-unquote position is on the field with Jameis. But can Jameis be good? Is Jameis a good enough quarterback with a top five head coach and a really good roster to have a team competing for the playoffs? 
to, to win 10, 11 games in the, in the regular season? I don't know the answer to that. But I know this. I am fascinated to watch it play out. So to me, Wentz and Tua and Jameis are three guys that I, I can't wait to watch play this weekend. Okay, Middlecoff Mailbag at John Middlecoff, the last Middlecoff Mailbag until football's back. Well, the NFL, like I said, college football's back, sporting an Alabama hat. I think you can, the volume sports on YouTube, everything's, we're, we're recording it now, modern day, 2021, YouTube as well as, uh, as the podcast. So let's go through some questions. The Miami guy is uh, is this guy's username. Going in on the listener questions last week, I put coaches into five categories. Elite, Belichick, Saban, were mixed in college and pros. And Andy, talent maximizers, low ceiling, high floor guys. Tomlin, Matt Campbell, Kyle Whittingham, solid. Brian Kelly, McVay, Carroll, underachievers. Gruden, Peyton, Gundy, Helton. Yeah, I'm going to have to punt the brakes there. In what world can you put Sean Payton with John Gruden, Mike Gundy, and Clay Helton? Sean Payton went to the playoffs last year, won a game, has been going to the playoffs like all decade long. He's a Super Bowl champion. I know Gruden is too. But Gruden hasn't won anything for like 15 years. Sean Payton's been winning consistently. Winning consistently. I would put Sean Payton in a higher category. I, Mike Gundy, Gruden, Helton. I mean, Gr- Gruden's not winning anything. Mike Gundy is at least winning eight, nine games a year. Clay Helton, I, I just kind of feel bad for him. Bums, guys that get lucky or are train wrecks like Gase. Do you think there is a bigger gap in college or NFL coaches? Uh, I think there's a bigger gap in the NFL because you can be a really good coach in college at a program where you don't get the elite guys and it's you just can't beat Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State. In the NFL, like we're all getting to, I mean, obviously quarterbacks change team to team, but we all get one first-round pick. We all have an unlimited amount of money. Uh, it's easier to be a big-time coach, right? It's just in college, if I'm in the SEC and I'm an elite coach, like Dan Mullen, who's really, really good, he had a ceiling at Mississippi State. He could win a national championship at Florida. He never could at Mississippi State. It, it was impossible. It's why I think, like, I know Sark won, and I said that that game against Louisiana Lafayette, he kicked their ass. Maybe their team is just really good. Maybe Sark's a different guy. But the Sark, I'd seen him at Washington, who's made the playoffs, and USC, who's a big-time program, not achieve. Right? It's, it's going to be difficult <clears throat> for Lane to beat Georgia and... And Alabama at Ole Miss consistently. Can he upset them once? Maybe. Can he ever win the division or go to the SEC championship game? Probably not. So I would say it's much more difficult to punch above your weight consistently in college than it is in the pros. If I'm a dynamic coach in the pros, I'm winning games. Period. Point blank. Love the pod. Old St. Louis Rams fan. Do you think St. Louis gets a team again? If not, what city will be next? which current city is likely to lose theirs. Here's the thing with St. Louis, is you guys did steal the team from L.A., right? That You guys took the team in 1994. So it was not like your team, right? Like the Chicago Bears or the New York Giants, right? You took that team in the mid-90s. So they just, L.A. just stole their team back. You did take them. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm indifferent on the Rams. Like I, I'd be, I understand where you're coming from, I'd be pissed if I was a Rams fan and they took my team from St. Louis. I, I get it. But I do think you need to take a step back and go, you know, we did steal them, right? You, you can't be shocked if you meet your wife in a strip club, she cheat, ends up cheating on you, right? Or, or if you're, you know, you see this happen sometimes when someone like, you know, we were together with someone else and we started sleeping with each other and then we ended up getting together and then like something shady happens in your relationship later on. Like you, you kind of signed up in a shady way to get the team in the first place. Now, that was kind of a mean swipe at strippers. I actually think strippers have got a raw deal in places like uh, California where I lived when the lockdowns happened. Like, no one cared about them. They, they had to earn a living, too. So when you shut down their business, um, you know, it's, I, I felt bad for them. I, I don't think you get an unemployment benefits benefit of tips, do you? But I'm, I'm the wrong guy. I've never worked in a tip-oriented business. 
which sucks because, you know, when you're not making much money, it's one thing if you make like 30K, but like with tips, you can get up to like 60. You're like, okay, well, whatever. It, when you work in football and you make nothing, that's just all you make is nothing. You don't, you don't get to do like side projects or, or extra benefits. Like that's just, that's the cash. So uh, I'm pro stripper. So I would say, uh, I, I don't think there's going to be any, I, I think the teams are kind of where they're at. Like, I don't think that we're going to see much change. There's not, there's no expansion coming. What major city in America doesn't have a team right now? You know, Vegas just got one. LA got one again. I I, I think we kind of got what we got. I, I think the only question mark would be if we take the Jags and we put them in, in Europe or, or London. From Philly, big fan of the pod. Appreciate all the stories. Uh, your time with the birds. My question is, which coordinator in the NFL, offense or defense, is someone who should be getting a lot of attention but isn't an unsung hero? That's a good question. To me, I, I don't know. It has to play out. I think the way you look at it is you look at it with head coaches that call plays. So look at it in Kansas City, in New Orleans, in Green Bay, in L.A., both L.A.s, in San Francisco. Like, can one of their coordinators have an elite unit, then they become a head coaching candidate, right? Robert Sala became an elite defensive coordinator. He got a head coaching job. Once you start calling plays and do a good job, when your head coach is on the other side, I know you're the boss of the unit. Because it's hard to be like, well, what about Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or Andy Reid's number two? Well, they're not calling the plays. So if you're not calling the plays, even if you're learning under the guy, it's... I actually want you to become an offensive coordinator before. I know you're an offensive coordinator by title, but if you're not calling the plays, are you truly an offensive coordinator? No, you're not. <clears throat> so I, I think it would be on one of those teams or, you know, whoever the defense, I guess the defensive coordinator is Jack Del Rio with Washington. Uh, he actually did a better job than people would think when he was in with the Oakland Raiders. I don't know if he would get a head coaching job at this point in time, but who Who knows? I know you are mostly a football guy, but would love to hear your elaborate a little more on this year's Giants squad. Keep doing you. I guess you mean San Francisco Giants? Uh, I mean, they're having, they hired the right general manager. Major League Baseball is a GM run sport. The coaches are basically irrelevant now. Gabe Kapler makes like 900K. He has like 17 coaches on his staff. I, I bet the majority of coaches on Gabe Kapler's staff Make like $75,000. You make up five hundred grand coaching running backs in the SEC. Coaching does not matter in baseball anymore. GMs completely run the sport from the front office. And Farhan Zaidi, the San Francisco Giants GM, is elite. He is elite. But he he runs the team. So and, and in fairness, like even I, I'm not a big Kapler guy. I can't take him seriously. And I give him zero credit to the team this year. As a manager, I don't. They don't have as much juice. You have to leave relievers in for three batters. Like the best manager I've ever seen with my own eyes was Bruce Bochy, because he was elite in big games with the bullpen, mixing and matching. Get one guy out and then yank the guy and bring the next guy in, mix and match. Right, righty righty, lefty lefty. You can't even do that. Like I'm all for speeding up the game, but the three batter minimum has kind of changed the sport a little bit. And GMs have built their team around it. So it's it's a GM run sport. If you got an elite GM, which Tampa does, the Giants do, the Dodgers do, the Yankees do, uh, you know all the good teams do, you can win. I mean, it's just it's just that simple. If you don't, you're gonna get the A's. They win all the time because of Billy. Vikings fan here. I've had some disagreements recently with a friend about Cousins. While yes, I agree, Cousins is an above average quarterback and the best one we've had in a while and has even shown that he can win as a playoff game, I, as a fan, am interested in the business finally seeing the Vikings host the Lombardi Trophy, and I just don't think that's a possibility with Cousins. How much longer do you think Minnesota is stuck with Cousins as their quarterback one, and do you think the Vikings should move on as fast as possible? Bonus question, what do you think of Kellen Mond? Well, they just gave Cousins an extension last year. Cousins on the team another two years. But Cousins is not your problem. Your problem has been... Defense. Last year was defense. They've been making the playoffs because their offense has been good. And two years ago, when you guys upset the Saints in the first round, which is the crowning Cousins achievement, 
The reason you got your ass kicked the next week, your offensive line sucked. I like Rick Spielman. I think he's really good. People I know in the league that know him and have been around him think he's a stud. But he's he's built some flawed teams. And when you have a quarterback who can't move and your offensive line sucks, it's going to be hard to win in the playoffs because their teams over the years have been pretty good. And also like Zimmer. Does Zimmer have a cap? I think Zimmer's a good coach, but is he like a dynamic coach? You know, he's a defensive guy, so he can't. He has no impact on the offense. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's easy to blame Cousins, but to me, Cousins has produced better than Zimmer, better than their offensive line the last couple of years. So I, I think it's, we got to be careful <clears throat> where we place the blame. Messaging from Souk, BC, small town, West Coast, Vancouver Island. I, I love uh, British Columbia. Vancouver, one of the more beautiful cities in North America. I went there once for a scouting trip. I scouted the B, this defensive lineman on the BC Lions, I think probably a decade ago, like in 2011. And I got there like a day early. I'm like, this place is freaking amazing. I had been there once, Whistler, in college. I went on a ski trip over the winter. But like we just got so wasted and flew in. I, you didn't, I didn't go to Vancouver. We just flew in, got on buses, and they took us up to Whistler. And the problem with Whistler, there wasn't any snow. So it actually wasn't that cool, even though it was really gorgeous. But when I went to Vancouver, that place is badass. Quick question. Although they have not played a single rep, I wonder if you have an opinion of who will have the more successful career. Trey Lance or Trevor Lawrence? Well, Trevor Lawrence is the much better player. Any human alive would take Trevor Lawrence over Trey Lance. But the NFL is a coaching league. I think Urban Meyer might not last two seasons in Jacksonville. If it goes, it gets really ugly, which it might, I envision him quitting. He's done it before. Why wouldn't he do it again? He's quit twice. Quit on Ohio State, definitely quit on Florida. So you don't think, I mean, he doesn't need the money. He's doing, this is an ego play to prove that he can do it. This is 100% an ego play and partly money. He's getting paid, I'm sure, $12 million a year, but he already has an unlimited amount of money. Urban Meyer might have like $80 million in the bank. Now, I don't know what his financials are. Maybe he's hurting for cash. But this is, to me, to prove that he belongs, right? To prove that he can hang with the big boys. Well, he might not. He might just be one of the all-time great college coaches, and that's where he belongs. Like Steve Spurrier. Now, they're much different personalities, but what if he quits? And then Trevor Lawrence, who's their next coach? I don't know. What if he's not good? So to me, I would just say I would always bet on the better coach. I would rather have Trevor Lawrence, but Kyle Shanahan is going nowhere. And I know Kyle Shanahan, unlike Urban Meyer, like Kyle Shanahan calls the plays. Kyle Shanahan is basically the quarterback coach. The offense is his baby. What's Urban's baby in Jacksonville? The quote-unquote culture? He's not calling offensive plays. You know, he might be picking the players, but this isn't the uh, this isn't Ohio State. You don't have an unlimited amount of first-round picks. Do we sure we know what he's doing when it comes to the draft? He took Travis Etienne in the first round this year when their best player on their team was arguably their running back. What the hell was he doing? So I, I, I have little to no faith in Urban Meyer. So I would bet, bet on Trey Lance, even though he's got a long way to go, just because of Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> like I, if we were in college, I would bet on whoever Urban Meyer had. But we're in the pros. We play on Sundays in this league, right? We, we see Urban's swimming in the deep end now. And he's, you know, the floaters, can they keep him up? We don't know. He might just uh, fall under. I, I I know Kyle can swim in the deep end. Took a team to the Super Bowl two years ago. Urban might not be able to win five games in the NFL. And and I think Trevor will end up taking some collateral damage there, taking some shrapnel, but it might not be his fault. He, he just might, I mean, he's arguably playing for one of the worst organizations in all of sports. The Jags are a joke. And if people have DM'd me before about Khan, I guess his soccer teams are sucked too. For a guy that's a great business guy and made all this money, every sports team he owns loses. Like that has to be some reflection of something that he's doing. So I, I would bet on Trey Lance strictly because of the coach, not because I view him as a better player. Situation in business matters. Timing matters. Uh, who's leading you matters. Uh, who's running whatever business you're in matters. And I just, I just trust the group in San Francisco much more than the one in Jacksonville. Appreciate everyone uh, firing in those DMs. 
Thanks, everyone, for listening to the volume. Keep sharing it with your friends. And just excited for football to be back. It's an exciting time of year. There, there's nothing better than early on in the fall. You just you just end up smiling a lot more. It's just a happier time. Even in, even when all the radical, miserable people want to bring you down, we just turn off, us, us football people, we just turn off football and they just can't get to us. We're just like, no, we're too happy. You're not messing with me. You're not bringing me down to your miserable level. So, so enjoy the week. Get ready for football, and I will talk to you after the Tampa-Dallas game. Let's go. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 